Just a disclaimer on this podcast. Don't drink coffee during it. Oh. You might spit it out. That's well, what that's what we've heard. People have done so. At least with the last podcast when yeah. we were discussing, you know, the Song of Songs or Song of Solomon. It's the uh not the kids book necessarily. It's the Lovebirds book. It's the Lovebirds book and somebody said they they blushed and laughed that and giggled, I think. It's like the the education <laughs> classes that maybe you've gone through and she spit out her coffee <laughs> is what we've heard from one uh podcast listener and then uh, somebody else was running yeah, and had to she had to stop. Stop. Right. Because laughing, laughing ensues. Yes. Well, I I love the fact that someone blushed and giggled. That that makes me think of a daintier personality, you know, whereas I just blah. It's that, right out there on the table. There's Song of Solomon. There it is. Yeah. Song of Songs. Yeah. yeah so. What do you think about that song? <laughs> uh, Some strange lyrics. So uh, we, this is where we talk about what we're going through spiritually, mm-hmm. uh, life stories that tie in with the Bible knowledge. And, and I have a life story this week. That's for sure. Yeah. And normally we kind of go back and forth between, all right, you want to start this week and I start the next week. And I don't know. I kind of want to start with yours. Actually, this what, is really now I want to tease it. Now I want to say I got in it? a fight this week. At the no, bike racks. You can't do that. And up in 10, 15 minutes, no, I'll tell you about that. Because here's the thing. Everybody's going to fast forward through anything I had to say to get to that 10, 15 minute mark. I didn't think about that. I didn't think about that. So you you got to just... tell us what happened All right. right now. So it was a spat. It was a disagreement. It was, and I'm going to break it down uh, a little more. It was a verbal throwdown. Yes, it was. A verbal throwdown with a coworker that Rochelle and I both, both work with, obviously. And um, I had uh, approached him about an issue. I had mentioned uh, a, something that I, I do in my work schedule. I, I don't want to give too many de- details, obviously. Uh, but it, uh, it rubbed him the wrong way because it affects his department in a negative way. Yeah, we were doing something the wrong way. Yeah. And we had no knowledge we were doing it the wrong way. No knowledge, right. Um, so, which affects both Carter and I. And coincidentally... It was the same precious coworker. We both, we, we all are friends. We love each other. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, yeah. right? Uh, we had had a run in the week before. Can we call him Clark? Let's call him Clark. I like the idea of calling him Clark. Uh, and when he goes into a phone booth, uh, he becomes Superman. And that's why we're afraid of him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was fascinating because your, um, your conversation with him came a week after my conversation with him where I had to humble myself. Because there was a flare up Mm -hmm. and your response to him, which is why I was a little surprised that you felt conviction from the Holy Spirit about your response. I thought it was integritous Uh, when I bumped heads with him. I like threw fire, more fire on the fire. I was like, what? And he was like, Mm -hmm. what? And I had to immediately come back and say, dude, I was wrong. I need to humble myself. I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. And quickly it was covered and we went on and that's how that went now a week later same situation except now you're cast (laughs) as the lead hey (laughs) i was the understudy and i look i'm only sharing this because i looked at what you did as being something that was integritous because instead of doing what i did which was just blowing up the frustration you walked away from the set of circumstances, but you felt like "Mm." yeah i feel like i could have made a better choice still I didn't make the best choice because I think in in my viewpoint, this is what happened. Uh, I kind of explained why we were in an argument. But what happened was um, it got a lot heated faster than I uh, heated up faster than I thought. And I was getting yelled at and I chose to say, basically, I'm not doing this. And I walked away. 
Mm. Um, I, we had an interview to get to and I said, I have an interview and I just walked off. Mm. What I could have said, regardless of what I feel is, can we schedule the time to talk about this further? I don't have the appropriate amount of time to yeah. talk about this. And then, you know, one more line, one more line, I feel like would have done a service where I don't think I would have any, had anything to apologize for. And what I think you're going to get to is so good. Uh, but if I could just interject that, I mean, we seriously, we want to love on people and encourage our dear friends. And so when we see that they're troubled or frustrated, like when I saw Carter was frustrated, you know, what I want to do, my instinct is to say, hey, it's going to be okay. You did the right thing. You walked away. Right. And the Holy Spirit was saying, Carter, you crossed a line with me. And I did the same thing with you because when she was talking about fighting fire with fire, she hugged him at the end of it. So I'm sitting here going, yeah, you really blew up. But I felt like yeah. I had. Well, and that's the thing. We That's why. It's not about what others are perceiving. It's about what does God tell you? We have well-intentioned, even well-intentioned Christian friends. Sure. And they'll always pick your side. Well, I mean, a lot of them will. Sometimes people be blunt. Because they know you. That they know you, so they're <laughs> automatically on your side. Sure. If they know you better than the other person, or especially if they don't know the other person, mm-hmm. oh, that person must be great. You ever come home and you complain about a coworker, complain about somebody at the store that you saw, and instantly your spouse or you know your friend later, oh, they must be crazy. Oh, I bet they were. Oh, people like that. They're just nuts. And it's like, <laughs> wait a minute. You know, I have to caution myself because sometimes I know my friend sure. may have been the one to to be in the wrong too. Sure. And so I think it's just, I think you bring that up. It's a good thing to be cautious of. So if God is working to work in them and they feel like they crossed a line, yeah, then maybe stepping back instead of saying, no, you're fine. You're fine. Wait, listen, I don't want to get in the way of what maybe the Holy Spirit is, is telling you and directing sure. you to do. Sure. Uh, I could only give you my perspective, but if it's not helpful here, then I'm just, I'm just going to sit in the background here for a second while you figure this out with God. So this is what, that's what I did. Um, I was, um, pretty bothered by it. Um, I obviously was angry at first and I wanted to, I do like to get it over as quickly as possible. Like you said, they were yelling at you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that, yeah. Okay. So I just want to make that clear. It wasn't, you know, you weren't thinking maybe he was yelling at you or maybe, oh, did I miss yeah. conclude? No, multiple witnesses. is not a word, I don't think. Well, that's okay. Multiple <laughs> witnesses I think assessed that Confirmed. it was yelling. Yes. He was yelling. <laughs> yeah. And um, and so I I walked away a couple hours ago. My I wanted to approach it, but then literally just something came up. I, I just needed to get home. The, my wife with the baby and stuff. And so I I wasn't able to do it the same day. And I'm really glad I wasn't in hindsight because mm-hmm. while I wanted to get it over with and I was bothered by it the rest of the day, it allowed me to listen to a couple of podcasts. I mean, you know, I brag about them all the time. Mike Winger with the Bible Thinker podcast. Um, then there's another video I saw that, you know, what does the Bible say about angry people? Mm-hmm. What does it say about anger in general? What does it say about conflict? And then just looking up a, a couple of list of verses here, you know, you're reminded Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Mm-hmm. Matthew 18, 15, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. Mm. Just the two of us. Nice. If they listen to you, you have won them over. Uh, a new, this is John 13, 34, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And then here we go, the verse that we're it is famous. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Mm. That's Ephesians 4.26. Yeah. And that's one that, that came up. And I had actually heard a sermon on it 
a couple of, well, about a month ago. The one about the sun going down in your anger? What does it mean? I think we even covered a little bit of it in this podcast. Uh, what it means is don't let, let bitterness take root. Okay. So I think it's a very good thing that the literal sun that I overnight, uh, I went home and got sleep and, and I was, I was bothered by it until I slept, but I understood how I was going to approach it in a mm -hmm. biblical manner. Mm -hmm. um, and I weeded out some things that I think if I had done it two hours later, I mm -hmm. would have misspoke. Mm -hmm. um, and so next day I come in with, here are my points. I said, I want to apologize with um, how I reacted there at the end. I think I could have handled it better. But what I want to say to you is, this is my boundary. You can't talk to me that way. Um, I want to come to you as a brother in Christ, personally, one-on-one. -on -one and say that's not okay. And it was, well, actually, I'll, I'll tell you how he reacted in a second, but with that sun going down on the anger, don't let the sun go down on the relationship. Because mm -hmm. often, uh, well, certainly it could happen in marriage, my gosh, with divorce, but I think a lot of times with coworkers or with acquaintances or even with friends, you let the sun go down on the relationship and you choose, you're both mad, so you choose yeah. to both be in pride and to not come back to the table and then there's no more relationship. Or if you still work with them, you're not, you don't sit at their table. You don't go to lunch. You don't. And, yeah. and it's ruined because you let bitterness take take root. You made me, I'm really grateful that you included the verse about to love one another as God is, as Jesus loves you. Uh -huh. Because sometimes you go, what do I care if the sun went down on that relationship? Because mm. they did dot, dot, dot. Well, that verse brings about why we need to care. Sure. Because it's, sure. it's instruction from God. You need to love people. Yeah. That's one of the greatest commandments is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I have to remember that because there are definitely times where if I get even frustrated with a, a stranger. Well, wait a second. What do I care? I don't know them. They don't know me. True. Yeah, you're they're exactly right. In traffic, they're just a jerk and they can go go home. They're wrong. They're wrong. Yeah. Or if it's that coworker, well, at least I don't have to, you know, eat lunch with them every day. Right, right. Or whatever it might be. Oh, th this is why. Yeah. Because it's a commandment. The goal is to give people as many chances as possible, just yes. like God does with us. Because it might be a situation where, especially if there's abuse involved and things like that, mm -hmm. you know, you you say this is wrong and then you go to mm -hmm. witnesses. I mean, my gosh, maybe the police. And then if yeah. reconciliation is ever possible, then 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 there you go. And if it continues, it would take you would have to assess in your own life, depending on what situation you're thinking of. But in this particular situation, mm -hmm. I would go to personally, I might go to personally one more time if it happened again. If if I had, I would get management involved. There's your witnesses. Here's what's going on here. And it's not, it, it, there's no repentance. Mm -hmm. um, if Let's say, well, I'm about to tell you what really did happen, but let's say I went to him and he goes, no, you're on the wrong side. He, let's say he yelled at me again. Sure. And then it happens again, and then I finally get management involved. And then and then you got to assess for yourself, okay, I've put it out there, and I'm I'm just going to have to be here until they come and and ask for forgiveness. Now we're in within a Christian organization. Yeah. Does it, this differ if I'm outside? I think that's of a hard. Christian organization. I think that's really hard. Well, it, it it I don't think it does if they're a Christian. If okay. they're not a Christian, it's really hard, right? Because clearly the, the rules that are set out there by, I think it's Matthew chapter 5 and Jesus talking about accountability. Mm -hmm. 
And then Paul uh, talks about it later with within the church. and Exactly. It's like, okay, so we're talking about people who are um, in this moment like-minded where brothers were. Yeah, yeah. But clearly there are circumstances where you may be in a work relationship where it's just toxic and it's very difficult to try to, to talk to them. And you're trying to talk to them on a biblical level, whereas they don't have the Bible as a guideline yeah. or a basis of foundation, you know, because we shouldn't have the expectation for them at the same time. You've got to have boundaries. And, sure. and I think one thing that I, I got, you know, in, in this process of that day of, of, of processing is that reminder of a gentle answer turns away wrath. And so that constantly, if possible to, to do that, you, you might have to be firm, but you don't have to be harsh. Mm. Now that's easier said than done, <laughs> <laughs> but you can be firm and have boundaries without being harsh. And so there is a time, especially, I mean, again, it's very easy to, in our minds, we do in this podcast, in our minds, we're thinking about a a spat, a disagreement. Well, whatever your life experience is, you might be thinking of an abuse situation. Mm-hmm. And so, it, again, it's not one size fits sure. all. I just want to make sure to say that. Certainly, if there's abuse, I, I loved what my pastor said at an old church I went to. If if uh, I'm talking about forgiveness, if there is abuse going on, um, love them and forgive them and call the police on them. Mm-hmm. There should be boundaries and justice. Um, but in terms of where our heart is at, we're going to have to just as many times as possible release it. And then hopefully they repent and change and restore that relationship. But there's a reason there's instructions you hear that we go to them. We tell them what they did to us so that at least they know and we give them that opportunity. So what happened? So I gave this the spiel. I said, you can't talk to me like that. Um, I, I'm just coming to you as a brother in Christ. And this is my boundary. Well, I, I don't know. Carter, you're not giving yourself enough credit here. You didn't just blurt it out like that. You sat down and you wanted to understand where he was coming from. So I did say in terms of the work part of it. And the, you apologized too. Well, I apologized. I did say that just a minute ago. I, I did apologize for my part. And I said, uh, this is two conversations. Let's get to the technical aspect. I think I think compartmentalizing, guys can compartmentalize, most guys can compartmentalize pretty well. I think it can be handy in conflict. Let's get to the technical side of it, how we move forward in the actual work side of it in Mm -hmm. a second. Mm -hmm. What I want to acknowledge is our conversation yesterday. So let's separate these two because I want to give you my full attention Mm -hmm. on the work side of it now that the emotion's gone. And so I said what I said, and he said, you are absolutely right. Mm. Yeah, he's a good guy. Good guy. And he apologized and yeah. he talks about, you know, there's there's different things going on that that that's why it invokes such a reaction. And then we got to the work side of it mm-hmm. and I understand him more. Yeah. And I am more I have more empathy now because of the relate the, the nature of his job that I didn't understand all of the aspects of before. And I think communication can solve 90 percent of the world's problems. Yeah, there's a reason that we're supposed to, even though we don't want to have that conflict. There's a re- I think there's a reason that we, the Bible says it constantly to go because you'll understand each other a little more. Well, in full disclosure, the kind of pressure he's under, we live in a world that's all about technology, and mm-hmm. he is the one that heads up to make sure hacking, all that stuff that could cost companies tons of money, does not take place at the organization where we work. Mm-hmm. So that's his job is making sure that everything is safeguarded. 
And you think about, you were telling me the numbers about hacking and stuff. What there's, I think there's like a hundred million hacking or phishing attempts a day. A day. Yeah. I can't remember if that's in the United States or the world, but, but it doesn't matter. I mean, it it's doesn't matter. It's yeah. it, like, you don't even think about it. You might be sitting at the airport and somebody's sitting right next to you and they're stealing everything you have. You, I, I don't want to scare you, but when I hear about this from people in the know. Right. Right. That say this is the potential. And this happens every 150 million times uh, attempted at least a day. Then you're like, oh, well, no wonder there's an amount of pressure here uh, I, I, that I don't know about because yeah. I don't do that job. And so, I, I think whatever the situation is to to just understand as best as you can. Yeah. No. And here's the thing. We talked about they might be unrepentant um, and then they also might be repentant. But then you hear their reasoning and you're like, well, that's pretty stupid. <laughs> and to and I think just to try to go okay well I've had my stupid reasons too this wasn't one of those no, but no, no. um but but just that it's again it's not one size fits all and to just follow those verses where yeah. Jesus is talking where Paul's talking it's we don't do it enough we don't do it enough as a church have you ever seen the church kick somebody out but yet that's the example that we see in scripture if it gets to a certain point you know you you said if if the reasoning behind the argument or the what you know got the reaction from you um, was a stupid reason. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, listen, we're all growing, right? And I think sometimes when we hear the stupid thing, if it is a stupid thing, that just makes it, I mean, it fires me up even more. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. If that's the case, then clearly I've not fully arrived at forgiveness on my part. <laughs> so... Uh, we have to leave things at the table sometimes. Mm. And I think that's very, very much part of the reason why God says vengeance is mine and it ain't yours. Because uh, we're human beings. Yeah. And he made us and crafted us with emotions, which are great. Sometimes they can lead us down the wrong path if yeah. we let them. And it's not my job per se to make sure that all ends well, but it better begin well if I'm to come around and have that conversation do my part and say, I was in the wrong with this. Sure. Can we talk about this? If their response is less than good, you have brought it to the table. You have left the table. Well, you can, in, an, in essence, not because of a prideful thing, but hold your head high because you're like, Lord, I obeyed and I'm leaving that response with you. Mm -hmm. And perhaps mm -hmm. because, you know, I, in essence, planted a seed of what you asked me to do in obedience. Um, maybe even if I'm, this conversation was what waters it, you know, yeah. somebody will come along and help, help it to grow for sure. that other person in the, in the, somebody the else spat. may help change. That's this true. This is not an easy conversation to have. Nobody likes talking about the fact that we're imperfect and we have arguments, but I appreciate you bringing it up. Well, one footnote on it is just because we've been talking about feelings so much. I certainly have. I've gotten more scripture based, I think in the past year than, than before. I, I, I think, um. Well, I didn't feel led in any certain direction. Um, and that's why I just went to what does scripture say? Because mm -hmm. then I just know it's true. And I was led to, okay, I kind of formed my plan around that. And I didn't, um, I think in the past I would have said, well, what does God want me to do? And then I just would have tricked myself into, well, he wants me to just forgive. So I'll just let it go. Mm -hmm. It's well, then when I was reminded mm -hmm. of these verses of like, yeah. no confrontation is biblically healthy. That's why I just went ahead and planned the form. Well, this is just the right thing to do. Yeah. And also on when I was convicted 
of walking away in rudeness. I, um, I didn't have like a strong feeling. I just kind of knew it, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? And I think that, I don't know, maybe there's some, this is just me now talking, but maybe there's something to that of sometimes we have these strong feelings that are up and down like roller coasters. Yeah. That one was just kind of like there. Like I walked away, I think even down the hallway walking, I was like, ah, screw that one up. I, you know, I think we brought this up in the podcast last week. I think we did, but uh, heard it beautifully put. Um, if you're riding God's current, you're going to know when you're trying to swim against it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, of course, the the perfect illustration of that in the movie Finding Nemo, when they're riding on the back of the turtle. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Righteous. <laughs> and they are, um, they're in the current, so they're able to go smoothly. And of course, you know, they're kind of swimming along, paddling along. Well, you know when you're out of sync with that current, mm-hmm. that Holy Spirit current, and uh, it has nothing to do with feelings per se. You just feel you. Well, well yeah, I yeah, said but feel I, it. But I get but what you, know you know what I'm mean. saying. Yes. Yeah, you swim against it. You you try to get out of the current. You're not going to be going along, moving at the speed that God wants you to in terms of growth. And like like you were talking about, even in forgiveness. Well, um, I know I'm supposed to forgive and move on. It's not that easy sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. people have shared miraculous encounters in their spiritual walk where, and suddenly the burden was lifted. I'm no longer bitter. I'm no longer sure. upset. Sure. Some people are discovering it can be a process where daily I have to walk that out, you know? Well, yeah. So one thing that I've picked up on in the past few months is what is the difference when you need to just literally forget and forgive? Like the Bible says to overlook an offense mm-hmm. compared to, some of the verses I've named today. And I think you just need to know, like it, somebody gave you the gesture, gave you the bird in traffic. We can let that go. Benefit I of the doubt. Most likely we can let that go. It's like, all right, I'm overlooking. It, it's an yeah. offense, but I'm overlooking the offense. But maybe there's something going on in the world. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to give them a little bit of grace there. Well, and I think even whatever the reason, even if it's a stupid reason, right? Okay, even if you it's know, a stupid reason. Overlooking the offense because I'm not going to think about yeah. this at the end of the day anyway. I'm not going to touch it. This one, I knew mm-hmm. uh, it's it's going to bother me too much. I felt offended. Yeah. I knew it's it's also not a stranger. It's somebody that I'm going to see again yeah. and again. And I just knew this. That's why I named some of these verses. That's the tactic I need to take. I think you just landed on the kind of the kind of wording that I, I want to arrange my life around. Mm-hmm. I just know. Okay. It's not, I, well, I feel mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or I think. I just know. Yeah. When when the Holy Spirit um, prods you and you just know, and you might not even be able to explain it. I mean, that's where, I think that's where the prophets had to live. You know, I'm in the book of Jeremiah, and these are complicated books. Mm-hmm. Look, they're not easy to read through. Um it's like being able to uh, understand fancy eating. I think sometimes you like somebody brings you a plate of caviar. I don't know about you. I think that stuff is nasty. Have you tried it? But if yes, if you have a refined palate, though, you're like, oh, this is wonderful. So it's like that for me. Sometimes I have to really acquire a taste for reading the prophets to try to understand what's going on here, mm-hmm. and trying to understand the word prophet anyway. Um, a prophet was really exemplified in the person of of Moses. Like he's a great, from what I've understood, archetype for prophet. And we even get this little example at the burning bush when he's on Mount Sinai and he doesn't know about God per se at this point. 
you know, he grew up in the palace. He knows that he's Hebrew and he runs away because he kills a guy. And now he's a shepherd and he's been out there for like, I think it's 40 years. Mm -hmm. And he encounters God in this image of a bush that is burning, but it's not burning up. And anyway, it's in that moment that God says, I'd like you to go back to Egypt and I want you to free my people. And then the list of excuses from this guy. Yep. God's chosen mouthpiece. Uh, they won't believe me. Send somebody else. Um, who am I that you, you're picking me to go? You know, I stutter. Yep. So all these excuses. God's like, fine. You know, at the end of the conversation, fine. How about this? It will be like you are God to Pharaoh, and I will have your brother Aaron talk for you. He will be a prophet. You see? So Moses is this, the voice of God in this scenario, and Aaron is going to talk for him. So in in this, we have like a definition of what a prophet is supposed to be. It's not necessarily because when you think of prophecy, I always think about future stuff. Yeah. This is what's going to happen. Yeah. And but it's literally the mouthpiece of God. Yeah, you are the herald. You're the one who is announcing what God had to say. Hear ye! Hear ye! And you're you're being silly, but I will tell you, yeah, because you want to kick that guy out. Like, wh- where are you from? <laughs> right. What is happening? Yeah. I think most of the prophets in the Bible, you have this sense of them, like, oh man, they were amazing. They were so awesome. They spoke it like it was. Uh, look at John the Baptist for crying out loud. Crazy dude. Look like a crazy guy. I'm sure he's wearing not, you know, the the fashion for the season. He no. just wasn't. He's was wearing no. camel hair. I'm sure he didn't look great because he was living in the desert. He was eating bugs. Every once in a while some honey because you need some carbs. You know, that this is what, this is your prophet. The good thing is if you find honey in the wild, it never spoils. So you're get, <laughs> hang on to it as long as you need to. So, okay, Isaiah, we've talked about Isaiah, uh, naked for three years. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, how does that work? Well, no, literally. (laughs) People are going to start blushing again. (laughs) uh, God told him, he's like, I want you to do this robe, and we're going to use this as a symbol thing. And I don't know that Isaiah, it's like, I want to ask God later and Isaiah and say, okay, so when you told him to do this, did you intend for him to go this long, this robe? (laughs) (laughs) Was it, (laughs) or did he just get carried away? I was like, this is very comfortable. (laughs) It's the air conditioning. That's nice. I'm starting a new colony. (laughs) So, and Jeremiah was, I think he was a bit of a guy you might have looked twice at. He's that guy. If you ever saw the movie, it's an apocalyptic movie, and I don't necessarily recommend it, but it was John Cusack, and it was about the end of the world, 2012, the Mayan calendar thing. Well, Woody Harrelson is out, I think it's at Yellowstone. Yes, he is, in the woods, in his RV. And he's one of those real eccentric characters. But guess what? He's been saying the thing that everybody else never believed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now it's coming true. That is the image that I think we need to have in our minds when we think of prophet. They're the ones that just that guy. Right. right. Jeremiah, he did what God told him to do. So you imagine how un- unusual this would look. He at one point puts a yoke, like an ox yoke around his neck to have a point. Somewhere later in like a chapter or two down the road, when you know some time has passed, that thing is still around his neck. And somebody uses it and says, well, no, actually a false prophet comes along. Yeah. Says, actually, God says, and then he smashes the yoke that's on Jeremiah's neck, that we're going to be just fine after Jeremiah prophesied. No, we're going to go down because Babylon is going to take us out. 
You ever know you're right about something? Yeah. You know it. Sometimes you're you're guessing, but you, you know it. And then you somebody else you know. goes, no, it's not actually no. true. The blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's It's got to be the most maddening feeling in the world. You talk about conflict. Well, there, sure. I don't think there was a sit down between. I mean, me, maybe there was at first with the priests and the prophets. But at the same, the, uh, there were other prophets at the time. Um. But there were a lot of them that were exposed in the book of Jeremiah as false. No, this you're not at all in line with what God is saying. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. they were saying things that everybody wanted to be hearing. And so doesn't that sound, we've kind of touched on this, that sounds familiar. There's nothing new under the sun. We always want to hear the nice stuff. Yes, that dress doesn't make you look fat. <laughs> No, if you eat that, you won't gain a zillion pounds. I, why is everything Rochelle bringing up weight related? <laughs> oh, we need to unpack that with her later. Uh, the point is, Jeremiah is asked to do a tough thing. Tell his people who he loves. You know, he believes you think about your favorite sports team. You are a fan of that team. Come rain or shine. You hope they win. You want them to succeed as Jeremiah. Now, go one further. God created the game. He wants his team to win. Mm-hmm. He is mm-hmm. vying for them. And we were talking about justice earlier. You're like, you know, God wants justice for his people. That's something we need to seek, especially if, um, if there's a situation where police need to get involved. But... Uh, God was sick of the injustice that was taking place in his town, Mm. you know, and he's like, you guys take advantage. You continue to do this. You continue to build these altars to idols that uh, that are nothing that you've crafted with your own hands and have the audacity to burn incense to and give any sort of homage to what are you thinking? And so Jeremiah constantly in all of these chapters, which I think word for word is the longest book in the entire Bible, which was surprising to me. I thought that was Psalms. It's actually. Yeah, Psalms has the most chapters. The most chapters, okay. but I think word for word, Jeremiah is the longest. And over and over and over again, you just see the chances. And we've already read about the chances that God has given. From the beginning, the creation of time, the chances that God has continued to give his people, please, Turn from your evil ways and come to me. It finally, um, it finally is going to get some new wording, though. We're starting to see that Babylon is most definitely going to come in. There's going to be an exile situation where the Hebrew people are taken from their city. Some of them are left behind, and there's a story there, let me tell you. But most of them are exiled away. We'll even get into some of their stories in Daniel we hear there's another prophet, yeah. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, all of that. That's that's playing out here because Nebuchadnezzar's the guy who's taken over Jerusalem. Okay, and so um, Jeremiah is one who is left behind, and he's one of the few because most everybody else gets wiped out. Hezekiah, the puppet king, put in power by Nebuchadnezzar after Nebuchadnezzar like takes out the real one. Uh, he just is mealy mouthed and kind of a wimp. Even at one point, his own people come to him and say, well, we should do something about this because this is wrong. And he's like, well, you do it. (laughs) (laughs) He has the authority. He's got the signet ring. He was even appointed by Nebuchadnezzar. And he's like, well, if I can't stop you, if you want to do the thing, you you want to kill Jeremiah? It's kind of like, and not all, not all, but it's kind of like a substitute teacher. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh uh, no! Just, just uh, yeah, I don't the know. The bad ones. Yeah, they, of course. That's why I said not all. Yeah. Not, my dad was a substitute teacher for a while, well, so he he was he not. Was like, not he did not enough. let them do whatever they no. wanted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, now we have Judah has taken over. Jerusalem is is a thing, no more. Babylon is is intercepted. What was the most incredible kingdom at one point on the planet, flourishing under the rule of King Solomon? There was no greater king than David, you know, according to Hebrew history. And there will always be somebody from the line of David on the throne. These are the things that these people had thought about and passed on for generations. But unfortunately, other things that have been passed on was idolatry, was unfaithfulness, mm. was doing the very thing that you were told not to do. But you see how easy it is to just kind of let, by osmosis, the culture around you change what you know to be real, what you know to be true, what you just know that we were talking about earlier. And Jeremiah is approached at one point by the guy who's kind of, trying to help him out. It's a, it's a long story. I invite you to read through the book of Jeremiah and just know that if you do, you're not going to be the only one that sits there and goes, what? <laughs> it's a lot. There's yeah. a lot. But yeah, there's this guy put in charge. He seems like a pretty good guy by Nebuchadnezzar after he takes out his puppet king. He says, all right, I still own you guys, but you take care of the district. So this guy's pretty nice, pretty chill. And Jeremiah's prophesied over and over again, if you just if you just obey Nebuchadnezzar at this point, God is going to flourish. And don't forget Jeremiah 29, 11, one of the most famous verses ever. This is smack dab in the middle of this book. And it says, I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to bring you back home one day. It's going to be amazing. I know the plans I have for you. Mm -hmm. So if you just stick it out with Nebuchadnezzar, things are going to be okay one day. And even later, I'm going to bring Babylon down. But you need to obey me in everything that I tell you to do. So, Carter, it's amazing. Jeremiah's just been saying this over and over and over again. Finally, they they got this district manager and the assistant to the district manager decides, too, right. exactly, yes. decides that he is going to kill the district manager. And so it's this whole weird mess of events that leads this chain reaction to finally those left behind are just going to try to get out of Dodge and go to Egypt. And they come to Jeremiah and say, hey, Jeremiah, before we go, we just want to obey God. And whatever you say, we promise we'll do exactly what you say. So what do we need to do? It's not an immediate response. You ever experienced that when Jeremiah goes to God? It's not an immediate. It's 10 days, actually. It okay. takes 10 days for God to go. Jeremiah, this is what I want you to tell my people. I want you to tell them to stay put. Obey what Nebuchadnezzar is asking him to do. He's the guy put in charge right now. Stay put. I promise that they will, they're going to have some land. There's going to be some, some prosperous stuff happening there in the land. But you got to stay put. And as soon as he tells them that, guess what these folk do? Not that. What do you mean? We're not going to do what you said. And at this point, I don't know. It's like, Jeremiah, I would have just walked out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. You just said. No, we're not going to do that. He's like, I, they, they said, we're going to keep... We're going to keep disobeying. We're going to go to Egypt anyway. They continue to to worship the goddess that God was like, please stop worshiping this goddess. And they're like, well, you know, when we did before, we did okay. Like, we were really prospering. And then when King Josiah came along and he tried to abide by the law, everything went just terrible. And, like, their perspective on this is so askew and perverse and twisted. It's sad. They have these moments of 
inspiration where they're like, I need to come to this prophet who seems to know what's up. And then when he doesn't tell them what they want to hear, well, you're wrong. It's amazing. You've had maybe a conversation where you both were there, obviously, and then you come back and rehash it. And it seems like the person forgot you even had it. I know you have a little bit of fun. I think your husband has a little bit of fun with you when, (laughs) you know, he says like, oh, I think this is the greatest band in the world. And then like a week later, you're like, such a good band. And he's like, ah, I can't stand them. And yeah. then you're like, you said they're the greatest band in the world. But what a magnitude of this story. Just, yeah. To, he, he's being silly with me. But yeah, this is this is for real. These people are for real. They're for real. And it's such a big issue. But that, translate that over into life today. You see it everywhere. And sure. you translate that into any decade of life, any generation. Uh-huh. It's been there consistently over and over. We see it in ourselves as children. Yeah. Mommy, daddy. Listen, I know that um, I did the wrong thing and I really want to tell you I'm sorry. And I understand that if you don't want to give me that treat that you promised me, that you won't give me that treat. And underlying the entire time, we're thinking they're totally going to give me the treat because I did the right thing. Yeah. And I came to them and apologized. Right, right, right. And mom and dad said, okay, well, we are revoking that privilege. It's not going to be. Wait, what? No. No. (laughs) So there's literally no repentance. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. God looks at the heart. And he knows when people are pulling his leg or trying to, because you can't pull his leg. You can't. He made legs. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know? We should be holding on to his leg for dear life. (laughs) He can't be pulling it. It reminds me of, with with confrontation in my situation, with Jeremiah in a society with confrontation, and and much like today, and, and just standing up for what we believe in and not backing down and not what we giving know. Lies, what we know. Yeah. It reminds me, I don't think I'm going to be able to find the video clip, but uh, Penn Jillette, you know, Penn and Teller, the magicians in yeah. Vegas, Penn Jillette is an atheist. And he said something once that, that reminds me that com- another angle of confrontation, just confronting things. And I don't mean confrontation like a fight uh, that is to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. And he said something to the effect of, I get along better with very conservative, staunch Christians uh, or just people that are very open about their faith than I do. Somebody that's willing to just go, well, whatever you believe yeah, is fine. We're all going to the same place because if hell is real, how mean do you have to be to not tell me how to get to heaven? And again, he doesn't believe in heaven. He still chooses to not believe, but he has great respect yeah. For people who share their faith as opposed to those who don't. And so, what an interesting take. That's I love that. Accurate. And I need to then usher that kind of respect that he is, that he's giving us essentially if we are living in our faithful, strong, loving. Oh, of course. Yeah, not not loving, shouting at him, right. Accountability, vengeance, all that, that again belongs to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I want to live the truth as he asks me to do it in love and, yeah. but boldness too. So, but I also have to extend that same respect to other people of other faiths who may be bold in sharing what they believe to be true so that I can have a conversation that starts, huh, would you mind, would you tell me a little bit more about that? Mm-hmm. Whatever it is that I, I know I don't agree with them on, but I, I, I want to make it clear, I respect the fact that you have the guts to say what it is that you believe. Sure, sure. So I, I think that um, that deserves applause. And I think Paul gives us an incredible example, the book of Acts, chapter 17, when he 
when he does take that moment with the uh, people at Athens, um, I see that you've got all these idols. It's one of our favorite references on this podcast. I see that you've got all these idols set up, but you you do have one here that says to the unknown God, you recognize that you don't know all there is to know. So he has this incredible opportunity for conversation, a foot in the door, but he's he's kind of offered them a little bit of just like a, a, a peace offering or um, just that little bit of respect to say, I am acknowledging something I can affirm in you. This is amazing that you recognize you don't know everything. One example, uh, well, a couple of examples. One is, uh, you know, for people that um, are, are Muslim, that are uh, follow Islam, uh, they believe that Jesus was born of a virgin birth. They yeah, be- let's talk about that. They believe that. And there's a great segue to get to. And he was also, he also is the son of God and the savior. And of course, uh, they're not going to agree with that part. Yeah. Um, you know, with, with people of uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, um, is uh, they, Jesus is, uh, the atonement is super important, right? Yeah. And so there's, there's, there's different angles to have a, conversation a good in in the conversation and then get to your faith i don't want the one that my life hopefully points to to be a point of contention for me Mm. i think sometimes because we get so passionate about our belief system that sometimes we get lost in our emotion Mm -hmm. instead of saying god you came to to die for me I owe you my life. Why is this rubbing me the wrong way when I know the truth? It is sure. to set me free. It's not to entrap me in my own emotion right now. So why is it a point of contention for me? Let it be something that others recognize in their life as, ooh, that doesn't add up with what I believe. And for some reason, I can't get past it. What is it that's different about this Jesus? Mm-hmm. So in a sense, I kind of want it to be a point of contention for others where they go, there's something about that Jesus. And maybe I'm the God, if you would allow me to be in some small way, the thing that points to Jesus, the thing that leads others to know who he truly is, that that it gets stuck in their crawl a little bit. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? You definitely want that. But don't let it be yeah. the opposite. Don't let it get stuck for you. It's hard. It really is. It because is. Because I think about the people that don't believe anything. Mm-hmm. And I mean, are not atheists. I mean, they don't, they just don't even really think about it. And then all of a sudden, one day, if they walked into the wrong church or place or ran into the wrong person, they would get the wrong message. And it just, that's what, mm. I hate it. I hate it that there's all this false stuff out there that you just want people to hear the actual truth. And, you know. This may be a silly thing. And I remember as a child praying, Lord, every time that your name is uttered in a, a swear, would there be a little piece of you left behind for the person that's saying it or listening to it, mm. even though your name was uttered in a way that is disgraceful? Mm. Is that possible? I know that that may sound weird, but that's a prayer. I remember praying as a child. I was like, Lord, I, I know that I hear people using your name in this way. That is not okay, but it still has power mm. because it's your name. Is there a way that you could still use that? And so, Lord, for these people that uh, may go into a church, and even if you're misrepresented, sure, sure. your truth is is larger than any one human being who makes it quote small because they are misrepresenting Christ, and yeah. may it be, may it grow bigger in their hearts and in their minds to what it needs to be, yeah. as opposed to what it gets shrunk down, where we water it down, you know. That's really true. Um, and the main theme in all religions, 
I mean, besides um, Christianity is uh, you got to do something. You got to bring something to the table. You got to the bridge over the canyon is uh, is one bridge, but you got to build a a foot of it. You got to build an inch of it. You got to do something. And and what Jesus offers is is you just trust that I have done the work that I built the bridge across the canyon bridge. Yeah. Maybe sometimes we get a flashlight. We get to show people where to put their foot. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I like that. Um, (laughs) Well, before we go, uh, what on earth happened where you were in a situation where you had caviar? That has been driving (laughs) me nuts for 20 minutes. I couldn't even tell you. I think it was like one of those schmancy buffets. One of yeah, like a, like a brunch type situation where, my family was like, hey, let's just go crazy. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Maybe it was a Mother's Day. I don't remember. I think it was, there was this restaurant back in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where I grew up and it was called The Fountains. And, you, and I think it was there. They have brunch. You it was tried a it on, on the, crackers or by itself I or what? I clearly, whatever it was on, it didn't help because <laughs> I remember the experience was not great. I didn't eat it again. Now, some folks have said, well, then you probably didn't have good caviar. And I'm thinking, no, I probably just... I probably just had the right thing. I just, uh, my palate is unrefined. I'm good with chicken nuggets. You know, the pink goo that they cook? Oh, the original chicken nuggets? Yeah. 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 (laughs) That's where my palate sometimes lies, so. Thank you for your time, and thank you wherever you're listening from, from a palace with caviar to anywhere else that. From a happy meal. (laughs) From a happy meal. That's exactly right. Um, And keep in mind, you know, we appreciate you listening, and if you feel like giving us a a five-star rating, well, we, we certainly do appreciate it. And we will see you next week. 